Welcome to The Home Hour. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham. And this podcast is the home ec class you wish you'd been offered. We're two moms aspiring to create gracious homes that are welcoming and functional, all while dealing with real life schedules, budgets, and children. Stick with us and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up, and how to fix it. For everything we can't make up, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. You're listening to The Home Hour, part of the Life Listen Network. On today's episode, we're chatting about mommy burnout. And yes, that's a clinical diagnosis. We'll talk with Dr. Cheryl Ziegler, author, parenting guru, and psychotherapist about how to circumnavigate the guilt and stress that comes from trying to do it all. From diagnosis to real-life remedies, we'll dig into why more moms than ever are feeling so sad, alone, and anxious. Plus, kickball goes corporate, why a can of rusty nails and an old mattress are better than an iPad, and why putting yourself first may be the best thing you can do for your family. All that and more on this week's episode of The Home Hour. Welcome home. Welcome home, Graham. Welcome home, Kirsten. And welcome, everyone, to The Home Hour. Okay, I love this episode. I love it. I love it. We love this conversation. Um, in fact, it went on for a very long time. So we're going to keep this intro really short because it's a long, meaty interview. I've actually listened to it a couple of times because there's just so much good stuff in it. So we'll get to it pretty quickly. Um, okay, super brief. Yeah, um, my friends always ask me when they listen to the podcast, is this one I can run to? Apparently, they like things they can run to. I think you could run to this because we're talking about mommy burnout. But at the end of this, you're going to feel invigorated because you're going to feel like you can unparent a little bit. And I think you're really going to enjoy kind of the direction the conversation takes. But Dr. Cheryl Gonzalez-Ziegler is a psychotherapist. She's a play therapist. She has a practice out of Denver and has written the preeminent book that's been kind of all over uh, the mom circuits and really even a lot of the networks. It's called Mommy Burnout. And it not only talks about why are we tired, but ways to not be tired anymore, but ways to be better parents to our children and empower them and make them more, you know, independent adults. So we're going to get right to it. I met Dr. This was funny. I met Dr. Ziegler at um, the Mom 2.0 conference that Kirsten and I were at. I think, Kirsten, you were off like taking a bubble bath or doing something uniquely, Kirsten. <laughs> uh, no, I had a stomach flu, so I was sleeping. <laughs> you were snoozing. Like, I love that you portray me. I was just sitting in a bubble bath sipping champagne. No, I was like, <laughs> Of course, nursing a stomach flu, but yes, go ahead. Filled with like thousands of people who like never look up from their phones. And I'm sitting at a table by myself in a corner reading the Wall Street Journal, like my head stuck in an actual newspaper, like a physical (laughs) newspaper spread out on the table. And literally, um, Cheryl comes over and I've never met her before. And she's like, is this seat taken? And I really felt like it was something out of a movie. Like I was the one with like the red rose in my lapel because I was, it was like, one of these girls is not like the other. (laughs) Just doesn't belong. And maybe she thought I was like alone or just strange. I'm not really sure what it was. Maybe, maybe she was trying to be like a therapist to me. Like, why do you not blend into this group? But anyway, she is dynamic and funny. And we just had the nicest breakfast together while Kirsten was somewhere in the bubble bath. Um, not at breakfast. And we met and we chatted and I was like, you need to come on our show. So without that further ado. (laughs) Yes. But before we get to the fabulous interview, um, we do have a sponsor and let me tell you again, this interview is so good. And one of the things that she talks about is letting your kids have some independence, taking a little bit of the pressure off of you, just telling your kids, like, you don't have to be perfect. You can go and have an experience and mommy doesn't have to helicopter parent all over you. Go and just do it. And this means this is great because the sponsor is perfect for that. It's Annie's Kit Club, which we've talked about them before, and specifically the Young Woodworkers Kit Club. Both Graham's kids and my kids have tried this, and they loved it. If you're not familiar with this, it's a subscription-based service where a kit comes to your house once a month, and it's geared toward ages 7 through 12. The kits are these high-quality, all-in-one projects, and it comes with pretty much all the materials you need to make just an awesome woodworking kit completely on their own. Um, you know, you might need a few little things like rulers or scissors or glue. It's all, all in there, there. including right. a child-sized cool. hammer, which was like, it was just, it was just very high quality. Um, now, when we talk about having your kids have a little time on their own and to do their own thing, I'm always skeptical because my kids, the minute they, they hit the, the first little bit of frustration, they're like, mom, mom, mom. This was not like this. The, dis- the instructions were clearly laid out. There were pictures. There were words. 
um, illustrated step-by-step guide. They they did it. They made it. They were proud of it. Um, they made a helicopter. And it really kept my boys very entertained. My daughter would have loved it as well if she had been a little bit older. She's only five. But what we said was, when they're done, you can paint it. And that was kind of the perfect way for the little five-year-old sibling to contribute. Um, Guys, you got to give it a try. It's it's really a wonderful um, thing for your kids to do. And there's no better time than right now in the middle of summer when we've got all this spare time and we're trying to avoid screens. It's a wonderful yes. idea. We bring good deals to our listeners. Oh, this one is a good deal. So- this is great. I mean, $9.99. They have partnered with us. It's a 50% discount. You go to youngwoodworkers.com slash the home hour. So youngwoodworkers.com slash the home hour and you'll get your, and that's all you have to do. There's no, um, you know, coupon code or anything. Just youngwoodworkers.com slash the home hour and you'll get your first kit, which comes with a hammer. And it's a, it's a good hammer. We talk uh, a lot about the hammer, but like it was very because it almost I hate to say this it sounds ridiculous but it kind of seems like a lady hammer too like it's the type of hammer I would like to hammer with maybe that's why it made me happy um, it's legit like you're not gonna break it okay youngwoodworkers.com slash the home hour try it do it it's really you will not be disappointed definitely something to try especially with this awesome offer for our listeners so um thank you young woodworkers Okay, right. here we go. Cheryl, We're going to play the interview. I, wait, I do have to give one quick little disclaimer, Graham, because I just listened to it again, as I was saying, and that was a really rough day. <laughs> I was, do you remember that day? My computer wasn't working. Um, my charger wasn't working. My husband was sick. So he luckily had left his laptop here. So I used his. And then my daughter was in tears over, as you will hear, a very sad, crazy hair day. So I was a little saucy that day, but, but it was good. I hope you guys really enjoyed this as much as I did. And if you're burned out, if talking about mommy burnout, don't turn it off because this will shed new light on it. And this will, um, it'll yeah, just hopefully was, encourage you. A fresh, a fresh spin on it was kind of good. a blase topic that sometimes we've already used. A very fresh spin. All right. right. We've talked right. up enough. Okay. Listen. <laughs> Welcome home. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Okay. We are here now with Dr. Cheryl Ziegler. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, I'm ready to have this conversation, sort of. But but do you want to know how bad my mommy burnout is? That like I'm almost so burned out. I don't know. I'm like burned out of talking about about it. Is it is that does that sound crazy? No, it sounds actually like you're really aware. I'd rather you be like this than just saying I don't, you know, this is just motherhood, isn't it? Which is more so of what I get. Um, can I, let me just give you one little quick anecdote that will tell you how bad my mommy burnout is. I forgot crazy hair day today. Oh, yes. I mean, that's, oh. that's like, in that's what, like no, one no, of no. the. I have to retell Kirsten's story. So right before we get on with you, um, Cheryl, basically Kirsten's like, oh, the, you know, my child is crying. I forgot my hair day. So I ran back to the school. I tried to get her favorite wig, but now I can't find her wig. And I'm like, don't worry, Kirsten, if you want to, we can just cancel the interview and move it like to another day of the week. She's like, no, this is just how burned out I am. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to go direct quote. (laughs) Well, it's not just, it's not just that I forgot crazy hair day. It's that like, she's a, it's her last Monday of preschool. Like this is an unforgivable sin, but part of it is like, well, you know, um, I can't find the wig because we haven't cleaned the playroom and I, that's on my list of things to do, but I haven't gotten to that. And like, I do need to go remove the preschool from my spam folder. And then I would have gotten the email and it's like, oh, just too many well, things. I can, can one up you. I've needed to change the fish tank for three weeks now. And like, we're, we're dropping fish left and right. Like They, can, <laughs> they cannot take the toxic environment. Oh so yeah. My bedtime conversation last night was I'm sorry boys. Like they they're in schools and we've already lost a significant amount. So let's just expect the rest are going to go soon. <laughs> oh, life yeah. We all have our Yes, we all have our stories. I mean last week for me it was and I know the feeling. It was like a crazy hair day feeling like it was our, my kids have to wear a uniform to school and it was like a free dress day. And so they, oh yeah, that was a cardinal sin, right? So they That is a cardinal with, sin. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they just like looked at me like you didn't tell us today is free dress. And I was like, I was torn between being defensive and being like, you know what? You guys were old enough. You need to start keeping track of your own schedules. Right. And then yeah. being like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'll run home and get you clothes. You know, Do but whatever it, free clothes you demand. Yeah. I know. Right. It's just, it's just like the, that your heart sinks 
And for me, at least I go through the quick, all the reasons why this happened, you know, because like you're saying, I didn't clean the playroom. I didn't do the laundry. I didn't read the emails last night. You know, instead I, whatever, went to sleep or did something else, you know? And so, yes, it's like an instant waterfall of guilt and self-doubt and feeling terrible. Well, so you are the expert. Give us the reason. So for all of our listeners out there, we're talking mommy burnout today. And Dr. Ziegler has some really good signs that you may be burned out. And I just like laughed my entire way through um, looking over these. (laughs) But if you want to just share a few of them um, so we can kind of diagnose ourselves, because I think part of it is is knowing where we stand. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like where exactly? The first thing I'll say is that what actually burnout is. So I'm not trying to use it necessarily in just like, I'm not using it like just some term like, oh yeah, I'm so burned out, which is what people say. But actually, truly, it is a psychological term that is used like burnout. And so what burnout is, is chronic stress. So we'll just start with that. And there's like the formal definition. And then what you're laughing at is like, I translated a formal definition into like mommy talk. So The formal definition is physical and emotional exhaustion that leads to a sense of reduced personal accomplishment. So that's like the fancy way of saying you're so tired, you never feel like you get enough sleep, you are emotionally drained, you're tired of hearing the word mommy, or you're tired of driving everywhere. You're just, you're emotionally drained. Like I had a mom, I had a session already this morning who was like, my child actually just, it's a teenager, emotionally abuses me. Um, And you just can only take so much of that. And so what I did was like, truly the first page of chapter one says, why am I so overwhelmed? And then I have this whole list of things and it's like, does this sound familiar? And so it's everything from having trouble falling asleep and staying asleep, beating yourself up on all the decisions that you make, reaching for junk food because, you know, you can't really eat even like a full meal throughout the the morning. You realize it's noon. You're like, oh, wait, I didn't eat breakfast. Let me just grab a bar, you know, that kind of thing. Um, You know, people are popping painkillers. So they're talking about headaches and stomach aches and having spasms in their necks. So they're taking pills to kind of manage the physical manifestation of things and just, you know, getting sick not having much interest in sex and dodging people's attempts to even connect with you. Like, so you see a phone call come through, you basically like decline it and, you know, maybe send a text like, Hey, I'm busy. What's up? So that you can just stay just far enough so that someone who doesn't know you well, doesn't hear your voice and goes, what's wrong with you today? I know something's wrong because if they hear your voice, they'll know. But if you just text, you can text anything you want. No one will ever know, or just, you know, avoid them. So there's just like, this long list of things that I started seeing as a pattern in my private practice of the strategies that women were using to deal with their stress and burnout, not even realizing what was going on. Okay. So this is so interesting. So this is a pattern you're just seeing over and over again. It's not just, I mean, well, I don't know. Why is it just the, like, it doesn't seem like this should be a new thing. Like moms have been moms forever and kids have been. Yes. Annoying. <laughs> well, and laundry I'll, I'll has been, you, you know, consistent. Right. Well, I'll tell you what I've done over the last couple of years. I have researched the history of motherhood. I've researched parenting and parenthood, um, you know, from more of really like a historical perspective, not like parenting tips. And then I have, um, you know, really tried to come up with the why. Why is this different? Or is this my first question was, is this different? Is this actually mm-hmm. really different? So. In November of last year, I did a TEDx talk, um, and the title of that was Why Mom, Why Moms Are Miserable. And what I did was I kind of wanted to answer that question. Like, why do moms seem unhappier today than they have in other generations? Is that even true? And so mm-hmm. what I found out was super interesting. Number one, the women's, the women's um, movement actually mm-hmm. has benefited men more than women. Like the equal rights movement has truly been something that what's happened to women is that we said, not just like, hey, this is great. I have options now. It was, hey, great. Now I've got to do it all. I have to be super mom at home and I have to take advantage of education that I can get anywhere I want, jobs that I can get anywhere. I can be the president of this company if I want to be. So what we did is we just added more onto our plates instead of saying, well, this is wonderful. Thanks for fighting for my rights. 
Now I have choices. We don't see it really as a choice. We think that we have to exceed at everything. So that's one well, of but the- also, like, that's, somebody has to take the child to school and somebody has to make the breakfast for the child. So like, yes. you're right. Like you have the choice to go to work, which is extraordinarily fantastic and very worthwhile. But like the choice of like feeding your child at 7 a.m. is really not much of a choice. But isn't that interesting? What, what working moms will say though, just like you said, is they mostly- Okay, I know that we're getting progressive with fathers and I have heard a lot from the fathers. Um, I know we're getting quite progressive with dads and their involvement and their equality in parenting. I, I fully recognize that's a disclaimer. However, to date, women still disproportionately do housework and work outside of the home and they're the CEO of their family. And yeah, when someone has to get up with the kid when they're sick or they need to be fed in the morning. It's still a mother's actual wiring that says, that's my job. And so, yes, today, the cat's out of the bag. We have bloggers. We have podcasts. Women are talking about these issues more, but I think we're still joking about them a lot more than taking them as like an actual health crisis. Right. And we've talked a lot on this show, so I don't want to you know, continue to revisit topics we've already visited, but we've talked about the, the working mom sort of dilemma of both the financial aspect of does it pencil out actually when I pay for the childcare and then this, well, I do have this great career, but I'm taking steps back because, you know, I'm expected to do more. So we've, you know, we've talked about that all in depth, but mm-hmm. the other part that I think that, that does get left out about this is then I think the stay at home mom doesn't have, you know, when everyone was, and this is like not a judgment on whether this is good or bad, but I think you miss a lot of your community because, um, half your friends are working or everyone has their side hustle or their part-time job. Um, I don't know if it's idealizing past generations, but I feel like women had like a community of other moms. Whereas that I feel like is lessening and lessening. Is that accurate or is that what you found? Absolutely. And, you know, just even since the book has been published, we are, we are looking at research that's coming out. That's talking about the serious emotional and physical effects of loneliness. So mm-hmm. ultimately that is what I was talking about in November in the talk. And what I write about in the book is there's this sense of, we don't belong to a community that's greater than us. We ha- we're turning our backs on religion, which was honestly one of the biggest communities that people identified with. And so people are, you know, especially millennial moms are getting away from organized religion. And so there's a lack of community and there's a lack of real intimate friendship, not social connections. And so social media absolutely is a modern day issue that plays a role in how lonely and depressed women are feeling. Mm-hmm. I think you said it beautifully when you were talking about the cell phone incense, because I can bust myself. Like I'm not, Kirsten has this weird thing where she picks up like whenever anyone calls her, which I've never understood. I mean, it could be. Oh yeah. You can that. reach me 24 hours she's, a day and I pick up a call screener and That's I, funny. I, it's just, it's I continue. I'm offered free timeshares in Fort Lauderdale because it's like, hi, it's Jess. I've been trying to reach you. And I'm like, well, no, Jess, I pick up every time. You know this. I'm not going to buy the timeshare. <laughs> but I, however, um, you know, I, I'm really like a 15% call screener and, but you really nailed me. Um, when you said, you know, you might, I mean, there have been times when maybe I'm free and it's not because I don't want to talk to a person. It could be my friend. And it's just, there's something in me that doesn't pick up the phone because, and I cannot, I can't explain that. And I don't know why. And you, you hit upon it, but sometimes it's like, you just don't want to get, but why would, why would I be isolating myself for no reason? Well, there's, there's really a couple of reasons. So first of all, with having us having cell phones to be accessible at literally any point in time, you could be right. You could be getting ready for surgery. You could be getting ready to go on a tennis court. You could be in church. You could be at a restaurant. I could be on date night, anywhere you are, you are accessible. And if you're a mom, we have these feelings of like, well, I have to be because, you know, the kids are at school. What if the school calls? The kids are with a sitter. What if she needs me? We have this feeling of like, I'm always on, I'm always available. And then when we look down and we see someone who's calling us that, you know, it could be someone you even want to hear from. There is a level of stress that we are carrying around that we don't want to share with other people. And if someone again, actually has to talk to you and you have to talk to them, they're going to see through it. 
But if you text them, I've been in those moments where I've actually laughed out loud, like in the middle of something heated with one of my kids or a heated conversation with my husband and someone texts me and I'm like replying back with like smiley face emojis and like thumbs up. See you tomorrow. Like they have no idea I'm in the middle of an argument with my husband. Wow, right. That's great. It's yeah, so it's just yeah, 100%. easy. Done it. Right. Done it. Yeah, you're so right. Okay, so now we know. Okay, I just want to go over a few more of the signs before we get to kind of what we do, because you do offer some really good practical steps to alleviate it. I liked the one that you said was dreaming of a weekend all alone locked in a hotel. And um, Kirsten and I were talking about that before we started taping. Um, And I have never, I never dreamed about that before I had children. And then it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I would have this dream of going to some low level, like an, you know, like a holiday in express. And I mean, not that that's low. I mean, just like by the airport, right. But it didn't matter. Like just a block room with walls and like a clean bed and just sitting there and being like with two magazines. And honestly, like I can remember salivating thinking about this, like. 24 hours to myself in a hotel room. Um, And then also I thought about um, another one you said was getting irritable at the kids for absolutely no reason at all. And I've noticed that obviously my kids are getting older, so it doesn't happen as much these days. But like if we had a three day weekend and we weren't doing anything come Monday, my children always seem to get a spanking. And I never, you know, (laughs) that's terrible, but it was, you get the day off, but you get a spank. Right. You know, this feeling of dread would just be like, oh, it's Monday. It's another day. Like, how could they have canceled school? And I have to say, summer just started for us. And I have like kind of a weird feeling in my stomach right now. Oh, yeah. Summer is a huge. I mean, you just said so much. I don't even know where to start. But summer is a huge transition where for many moms, even if they're working moms, they're like, holy cow, I got these kids like I got to pick them up from camp at three or, you know, whatever it is, or I don't have any camps. And I got to entertain them. Like there's this feeling like I'll just stick with the summer feeling for many moms of like, I have to entertain these kids. And that also leads to our burnout. You know, the feeling that our kids either are on a device and that's the only time they're calm and settled. And other than that, they're like, I'm bored. There is nothing to do. Right. And so again, different from our moms, we feel compelled to entertain our kids to stimulate their minds to make sure we're boosting their IQ to make sure they're not going to do the summer slide. I mean, all those things, right? Those are our moms were not worried that we'd lose like 30% of our reading or whatever all these stats say, you know, they were literally like go outside and play and it's summer. I don't want to see you till nine at night, you know? And um, so that's something this, so yes, the irritability at our kids is definitely a sign. But one of the things I talk about are choices and how much choices are stressing us out too. So I know that January, February, at least here in Denver, is a time where moms are frantically signing their kids up for camps in, again, January or February. Right. Mm-hmm. Arranging, like I see 12 yeah. weeks worth of like calendars laid out on floors, arranging everything. Who's going to drive here? Who's at this camp? Who's at that one? Who can I carpool? Who needs a friend? Like, a million and one things like we are truly running our lives this way. And of course, the level of choices and the level of stress to entertain our kids is doing nothing but sucking our energy out of us. Wait, Cheryl, I want to go back to the timeline a little bit, though, because I think I think we're like almost over. I feel like I'm second generation of this because my mom talked about, you know, the exactly the situation of like, go out and ride your bike and do not come home till nine. Mm-hmm. Like, but I, I mean, there, I think that summer slide, I think that was already starting. Cause I remember going to endless summer camps and my mom, I think my mom was probably the first generation of mommy burnout. And now like, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but, um, I'm, I'm like not quite 40. My mom had me when she was 30. Um, I think it was starting then already because, and I feel like now we're like mom burnout 2.0, where it's like all the camps, all the enrichment, like going to what, you know, reading specialists, but then also on top of it, no food dye, gluten-free, mm-hmm. you know, c- computer coding, Whoa. the device okay. aspect. Like, I'm I feel like we have myself too, but like Kirsten, I, this was a real conversation in our house. Well, two reasons I'm going to embarrass myself. I just paid yesterday, just signed up, paid for my son to be in a summer kickball league. Right. If there was ever a game, like, I mean, granted, was it expensive? No, but 
it's the it's the theory behind it, like that there's yes. no way that children would be able to find their way Figure to the local park, like an organized <laughs> freaking game of kickball. Like, fine, it was seventy five dollars, but like their parents organizing this stupid kickball league, and my son is pumped about it. Okay, however, counter. So my husband and I will have these little fights where he's like, "Well, what about just letting them play? Like, just let them be bored." And I agree, I totally agree. But the problem is, is that the nine other children that he plays with are just as scheduled. So yep. when I say right. go out and play in the neighborhood, there aren't any neighborhood children because it's like we either band together and say forget this like our kids are all just going to be a pack of wolves together but like my lone wolf gets into trouble after about 30 minutes right like, when he doesn't have anyone else oh my gosh like, do you know that i'm actually taking notes on yours because i'm doing a mommy burnout talk tonight and i have to have that kickball story that's amazing <laughs> that one takes I the swear. cake <laughs> I, am paid, oh, I, I paid for kickball yes you couldn't you couldn't make that up Right. I mean, I might, but, I might as well have just paid for like my child to make mud pies. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Worry, well, like, we'll bring the mud. We'll bring the pie dish. It's going to be organized. We're getting 10, 10 kids together. You know? Yes. Yes, totally. Well, I send my preschooler to a play-based school and we really do feel that way. Like, but so here's the thing about the kickball. I mean, that is, it really is like the perfect example because you're right. There is no teaching or organization needed for kickball. But you're right. If you don't send your son there, he's got no one to play with. And he's going to hound you guys to then like his plan B will be like, well, I need to play video games then. You know, that's going to be plan B. But I think plan B is always Fortnite. That's always plan B. (laughs) Plan B, Fortnite, plan A, mom sent me to kickball camp. But I think, you know, that what your point is, it's well taken in the research shows that in the 90s, is when mommy burnout really started. We are okay, now that would make like, sense. That would make sense. Yes. So the reason, I mean, the reason why I'm writing about it now. So like the evolution, right? So if we look at the '60s, we look at that generation, and we say like they just weren't talking about it. It was completely not okay to talk about these things, even with your closest friend. Like you weren't talking about it. And then you know the equal rights movement came, and then now women are doing all sorts of things. So now we're more bold, and we're talking about things more. And women are obviously like, they are juggling more. So they started experiencing burnout in the 90s. And then essentially what has happened is we have paired this parenting style with also parallel to an actual mental health crisis in our country of anxiety as number one, depression as number two. So mm-hmm. what we actually have is a parallel process going on of women being chronically stressed to the point of burnout coupled with, you know, over 13 million women being diagnosed with depression, one in five women being diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. So now we have sort of, I think, what is a cumulative effect that has led to a true mental health crisis in moms, so meaning in women and in teenagers. So teenagers, according to some research, have just surpassed Generation X as the most stressed generation ever recorded. So we have a serious problem. Okay. And on that note, I think it's time to take a little break. A little break. Oh, my goodness. Well, if you are suffering from mommy burnout, we may have the solution for you. Our partner today is Care Of. And if you've never heard of Care Of, they're a monthly subscription vitamin service. And they're made from effective quality ingredients that are tailored to your exact needs. Now, how specifically are they tailored? What happens is you go online to care. Is it careof.com? No, it's takecareof.com. Yeah, that's confusing. Okay. So takecareof.com and you do a quiz and it's pretty fun. And it's It's really fun. I really liked it. Are you tired? Do you have bad breath? I mean, it doesn't really say that, but I mean, it does say like, are you tired? Do you need more energy? Do you, you know, like, are you worried? Do you have heart problems? Do you have joint problems? You know, all the, you know, how much do you drink? How many vegetables a day do you eat? It was, it was, it was very tailored. I really liked right. it. It's pretty simple. It only takes a few minutes to kind of get a personalized supplement recommendations, right? So like, of course, for mommies who are maybe burned out, I'll say things like, man, I'm tired. No, no, no. I'm really tired. I'm really tired. If you want, you don't have to take the quiz. Grandma and I'll just send you our vitamins. <laughs> <'cause>... <laughs> 
Which is really, I mean, honestly, like I, my pack had like seven B, B vitamins in it. I think they're basically saying you need a lot of energy, but the packs come are really, they're really fun. You get a 30 day supply that comes shipped to your door and it's um, roughly about 20% less when compared to different brands at local drug and health food stores. And basically what happens is you get like a, you, you get a pouch of pills basically, which kind of sounds, um, Awesome. And it has your name on it. Mine said, hi, Kirsten. And then they have like a funny little saying, like, I'm excited to see my vitamins. They're they're very joyful yeah, to me. Right. I've really, uh, clearly I've enjoyed this sponsor. You're, I've been having a blast. the queen of care of. Yeah. And so basically they've offered us a really nice discount. As usual, we have so many good discounts. It's 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. And all you have to do is visit takecareof.com. So that's takecareof.com and enter in the home hour. So takecareof.com, enter in the code the home hour. And if you're interested in trying it, I mean, they have vitamins, supplements. I got some for Harrison. I got him ashwagandha, I think that's how you say it. And that's the thing that kind of reduces stress um, or is supposed to reduce stress. You know what I liked about it, Graham, was um, it asked you to, you know, how how it, it has like a little rating system on there. Like this is clearly established. Everyone knows this vitamin does this, you know, or it's like this is emerging research. So it's promising. But, you know, this is a new thing. Or it's, it would rate it like this has traditionally been used as a medicine. So it was also very cool because it let you really know, like, yeah, I mean, everyone knows, you know, vitamin C does this or, you know, whatever. Or like we're, we're studying this. So that was very cool, too. I felt like you could kind of get a gauge on whether this was the new hot vitamin that everyone's looking into or if it's like, yep, vitamin B. It's been right, around like forever. I got, right. I got turmeric. Right. And turmeric so hot right now. Zoom work is so hot right now. Takecareof.com and enter in the home hour. Try it out if you're interested. It's kind of fun. All right. Thanks, care of. We're going to get optimistic here. We will. We promise we're going to talk about some useful ways we can kind of fight mommy burnout or deal with mommy burnout or I don't I don't even know what we're going to do, but hopefully leave it a little bit high, on a higher note. But the one other the one other sign I just wanted to talk about was this idea of like wanting the exact opposite life you have and thinking that's going to solve the problem. Like if you're a working mom and you're saying, I'm so stressed out, like I'm doing 8,000 other things and you're fantasizing about just, you know, giving up this career you love or you're the stay-at-home mom who says, I just want to like go to an office and have someone not be able to, you know, access me constantly. I wish I had done everything differently. Um, how common is that? I mean, what do you what are what are your thoughts on that whole just kind of wanting wanting to do it all a big do over, cha- massive change? Yes, yes. Well, of course, that was part of one of the things I wanted to understand. I wanted to know, um, you know, is one is one healthier than the other? Is one happier than the other? And interestingly, a couple things are of the two groups. Actually, stay at home moms are the least happiest group of moms. And part of that is purpose. And so the interesting thing is that both groups of moms have more in common than not. And that commonality is, what am I doing this for? So if it is the career woman who gave up her career or her education, you know, and she's now staying at home primarily, she she often feels a need to qualify herself. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm educated or I used to run a company or I used to have my own business and you know, this is a choice that I made. So they, they feel like they have to qualify themselves because ultimately they want to know that what they're doing matters. Does raising kids matters? And when you have got two, you know, you've got toddlers and babies at home, sometimes you don't feel like you're contributing to the world. You just feel like you're doing the same old thing every day and doing dishes and laundry and, you know, cleaning diapers and those kinds of things. So it's hard to feel like you have this greater purpose. And the moms that are, you know, at working, they're the ones that are like, I am killing myself here. Is this worth it? Like, what is this about? And, you know, I have a whole chapter on one of those stories where a mom just like has her ultimate mommy burnout. As we started off talking, she missed like her kid's science fair and her kid, you know, wins, sort of wins it at the end. And she's not there. She's like coming in on two wheels in the parking lot. And she's like, this is it. I have had it. Like I'm tired of missing things. And so there isn't, there is a grass is greener feeling. There is not a solution. There's not a definite like, oh yes, every woman should be working outside of the home. Um, there really comes down to what is in the book, like the formula for being able to, and there's not a perfect formula, but the factors that influence 
the reclaiming of your life, because that's the subtitle of the book, how to reclaim your life. So the mm-hmm. first thing I'll say is that we are overtending to our kids. We are having the sense that we like our lives come honestly about fourth. Like it's like our kids are first and then, you know, community and then maybe your, your relation, your marriage and then friendships. And then, oh yeah, there's me, like me, the woman. So we put ourselves last on a list with like our husband's or spouses or partners close, close that right there. Um, and so, you know, connection is incredibly, incredibly important. I don't know if you want to dive into that now, but it really actually is the key to all of this is being connected, particularly with other women, but with other people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you want me to? So, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, <laughs> so, so yeah. tell us how to connect like in a meaningful way. Yeah. So, you know, what I, what I found, and this is, you know, anecdotally, but this is also, this is from my clients, but also through the research is, you know, what does connection really mean? And why is this really, truly important? And so, like I was saying, women tend to let go of their relationship with themselves and others, right? So there's this theory that comes out of UCLA that talks about that when women are under stress, but this is just for women, that we are wired to tend and befriend. We're wired to tend to our children and we're wired to befriend the other women, let's say in our villages, right? So what I, when I read that, I was like, this applies to modern day motherhood better than anything I have ever read. Because my theory based on that is we're over tending to our kids, right? We are so concerned that their, their friends aren't going to be around in the summer, that they're not going to have anything to do, that they're bored, that they're not going to be advanced enough readers, whatever it might be. We just want to always give them the best. Although the research says that the best isn't always what is best for kids. They have to endure adversity. They have to experience boredom. They have to have time to be creative. Have to. But yet we're taking that away from them by overscheduling. By overscheduling them, we're overscheduling ourselves ultimately. So you know, though, the hard part about that, Cheryl, is there's a flip side because I totally believe that. I believe that so strongly in my gut and I do it to mm-hmm. my kids all the time. But frankly, it's like pick your poison because yep. I can either drive myself bananas, spend a fortune getting them to every single camp so that they're not sitting around bored, you know, which is stinks for me because now I have no money, no time or I can sit here and say I'm building character in you and I have to endure their constant whining. You know, and con- me constantly saying like exactly what you just said, like I'm building character, I'm teaching you creativity. So either way, I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I need to tell you that right now. No, but it gets better. Okay, I'll give you a really good example. So when I take away screen time, I have to like really kind of put on my big girl panties because like it takes 24 hours to reset. And I know that I'm in it for 24 hours because they're so like on me. But then after you kind of crack that nut, they start to realize like, it's just, I think it's just a patterning thing, Kirsten. I do think it would be easy. Eventually they're, they're going to just Eventually they're going to like find games, find things, find, <laughs> you know. They dug things. up their dead turtles the other day when I took away their screens. Because <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to see if the shells were there and they could do a craft with them. Like creativity, outdoor play, fresh air, dead turtle carcasses. Like, again, <laughs> pick your poison. Maybe maybe kickball isn't so bad, Graham. Like, <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, I think you make a good I think you make a ton of good points. There's no question. But I'm going to agree. If you give them enough time, I promise they will come up with cool stuff to do. They will find a way. They will stop being grumpy. All of that is true, but you have to wait it out. You have to trust the process. You have to believe, like in in my training, my background, I am a registered play therapist. So I am obviously the ultimate person that believes in healing through play, learning through play, socializing through play. Like my life is about play, the power of play. So I just have to remind you guys and everyone listening, because we don't sort of have a childhood that reminds us of this. We're not, we're not witnessing childhood that reinforce it. Kids are meant and born to be playful, period. Period. (laughs) Did you read that article a while ago? It was back in the New York times. It was about those dangerous playgrounds that they had made in London or in England. That made me so happy. Okay. For anyone who's listening, who doesn't know about it, basically. Oh, this was great. I remember this. Playgrounds in London, um, where that basically thrive on danger. So basically, I think it's like there's 
there's everything that we would just go crazy about here. Like there's a stream that they, and they leave around all these old mattresses. And I think they even have those barrel cans and they might even leave matches where like kids could make their own fires. And you have to build, like you can put the mattresses in the water and try to float downstream. I mean, they even have rusty things. Like it's amazing. So to the, to the natural eye, it looks like a junkyard, but to kids, it's like this play wonderland of just dangerous obstacles that they slowly learn how to like circumnavigate. Right. And And I'm sure you're saying that because I'm talking about the innate nature in kids. If we let them be, that is what they'll do. They see an old mattress and like, sweet, this can be a raft. This is a boat, (laughs) you know, whatever. Like it's just, it, Mm -hmm. they really truly will right? rocks and stones. And, you know, we are, we have, we are not doing well. I'm not going to go down the dark road again, but we're not doing well on kids happiness. And if you look at the countries, that the at least trees that rank higher than us in kids' happiness, uh-huh. right? Though yeah. they're third world countries, Ugh, they're countries Finland where there's more. <laughs> right? Always, I'm Finland. not going to mention Finland. <laughs> but, I feel like it's you know, the Scandinavians. If, if the Scandinavians have beaten us again, like I'm shutting this podcast down. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I won't. Okay, so I won't name world? names. You could look it up yourself. I won't name names. You know. But there's so it's not just the Scandinavian countries. There are so many countries that are happier than our, that their kids are happier than our kids. Um, Do you say but, third world children are happier? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of countries there. Yeah, because yeah. again, money and all that does not you know does not buy happiness. And so oh, one of we want to look like what makes kids happy. So that that innate ability to be playful is so incredibly important. And so we as moms have to trust the process, just trust that it will, like, it really will be okay. But the other piece that I'm all about is I'm not about kids first. I'm about moms first. I'm about us as women. (laughs) Right? So I'm not concerned if my kids. (laughs) Well, I, and I really mean it. And I, and I, I walk my talk and it's not always easy, but. The more you do it, the more comfortable you are. And the more when you see your kids becoming more independent, more self-sufficient, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Gritty. That's like a term. Everybody knows that like grit is associated with success in adulthood. So now everybody's trying to figure out literally people are like, okay, so how do I raise a gritty kid? And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much you'd have to change to raise a gritty kid. Cause where does grit come from? It doesn't come from privilege. It doesn't come from being handed everything. It's right. So no, I have to that's say, sort so of I that association by myself childhood. Like I was had a lot of alone time. Um, and like, probably mm-hmm. I'm probably more of what you're advocating for. Like, I remember my parents gave me a car at 14 and, um, just said like, we're tired of driving you. Like if anyone pulls you over, just like <laughs> tell them to call us. <laughs> like, and I grew up in New York. So the legal driving age was 17. And like, I literally remember driving myself into Manhattan for a Disney parade. And like, you're too young to be driving. Like when you want to just go see Disney characters march down the street. <laughs> Like, but I'm gritty, oh you know, it's true. Like, I'm not oh really gosh. like I, I deal well with loneliness. Like I'm industrious. You know, I do think I have some of those qualities and I do give my parents a lot of credit for completely abandoning me. Um, <laughs> that is very well me. said. <laughs> and, well, and hey, Cheryl, my own devices. Cheryl, I'm not at all. I'm not all, at all disagree with you. I'm just saying, and I think you're right. And I think actually, I appreciate getting that encouragement of just see it through. Because yes, as you're talking, the best the best times of my childhood were not swimming in my backyard. They were when my parents had to drain the pool to resurface it, and we turned it into like a fort. And you know, it wasn't yeah. when they remodeled our house and built a playroom. It was when they remodeled our house and we had a dumpster for like two years, and we got to <laughs> go in the dumpster and like get the scrap wood and build stuff. Like you're totally right. We liked our dumpster way better than the playroom. So I am with you. I get it. Like if all of a sudden you get off the phone, you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna like start free ranging this a little bit more. You're gonna be alone. You're not gonna be in a huge community. You're gonna have to seek a community. And then there's that insecurity of like, what do you mean? Like little Johnny's not going to see, you know, the greatest tutor in town. Like, don't you know? And then you're like, oh my God, I can't free range it. Like you'll free range for five minutes before you're like, this is a mistake. What the hell was she talking about? You know? And so it's just like, it was a mantra. What should we tell us when we start to pull back from our new free range credo that we've just adopted (laughs) because we believe in what you're saying. Well, you, we met at that mom 
2.0 conference. And I seriously love the whole like Debbie Allen, like where she's like clapping and saying like, you know, bad thoughts be gone and like clapping <laughs> things away. Like yeah. you have to, you know, Wait, for those of you not at mom 2.0, Debbie Allen, who, who I know mostly as Dr. Um, oh goodness. Dr. Catherine Avery from Grey's Anatomy. Um, <laughs> Of the illustrious Harper Avery Foundation. I can go all day long in Grace Anatomy, but she she would she said, yeah, she was she was just a she's a very powerful woman and she was quite impressive. And she just sort of said, you know, like this big clap, and I don't want to clap in the microphone, but you know, thoughts be gone. And it was it was very like, yeah. Yeah, she was charging. Yeah, she, she was, was awesome. like, when I get nervous, I think she was talk, speaking about like, you know, you're she's sort of like such a powerful woman. Like, do you ever get nervous? Do you ever get insecure? And you know, she's like, yeah, and here's what I do. I pace and then I think about it. And when I'm done pacing, I let all those thoughts, they're all around me. And then I clap them away. And I just, and she like, yells at these negative yeah, thoughts. She's like, like, be gone, be gone. Be gone. Yes, like, be gone. It was awesome. <laughs> well, hey, Cheryl, I've got something that I need to have be gone. And I think that it's something we haven't touched on yet. And I wonder how this plays into it. But I think part of my mommy burnout comes from, um, and part of why I do have, I am actually very free range with my kids, but part of why I think I get frustrated with them when they're not getting the program um, is this guilt aspect. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like here I am, I'm not entitled to mommy burnout because I'm so fortunate. You know, like I have healthy children. I'm not, you know, if I'm burned out, how does the mom who has to, who legitimately has to take her child to every specialist, not because it's the end thing to do, but because they need the care or, um, you know, and is more of a caretaker role or, you know, a single mom who is trying to be mother, father, breadwinner, homemaker. I mean, like, you know, I've got a husband who's supportive. I've got a husband who has a pretty flexible work schedule. Um, you know, I, you know, I don't have endless resources, but I feel like, okay, we can, we can afford to do some of these, these things that are, make life a little bit easier. And I think all of that, when I feel the burnout, I feel like, gosh, well, I shouldn't feel the burnout. Like that's reserved for somebody else who's struggling with more than I am. And I think like, Wait, and or the counter to that is like, we're very fortunate to be able to be at home with the children. But like, what happens when my spouse comes home from work day and I'm just like sitting on the couch and my children are locked out playing in like a rusty dumpster? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just like free range parenting. <laughs> it looks like so I'm, just, I'm, I'm creating gritty kids over here. Like, <laughs> I just got my feet up on the sofa. That's the problem, right? It's because like we have to, because it's such a luxury to be able to stay home because things have gotten so expensive that I'm just like, you know, I've got my feet right, up. Right, but on you the just couch found out you're the most unhappy ones staying home. So take that. I mean, <laughs> I'm telling you, this is just the search. No, but for real, how do we deal with kind of that feeling of like, you know, I'm, I'm not, not entitled. I'm not allowed to feel this way. Like my kids are not awful, you know? Yeah, absolutely. They're just kids. Absolutely. And I think that that is what keeps us in the dark, right? That's what keeps us in the closet in a sense. It's like, I, I have no right to complain. Right. And so I, which I fully understand. I mean, I get to hear people's true, true thoughts because I'm not their friend, I'm their therapist. And so they're, oh, yeah, they'll tell friend. me these things, but they also pair it with saying, always women qualify everything. They'll always say to me, but you know, I'm so fortunate to be able to stay home. Oh my gosh. I'm so fortunate. I have a spouse. There's so many women who don't even have partners and you know, there's, so I, everything you just said, like I hear it every day. And so I just nod my head until you're done with the list of reasons why you're not allowed to feel this way, right? We get past that. And so the way we get past that is there's always going to be, and I say this to kids too, there's always going to be somebody, many people who are more fortunate than us, less fortunate than us. And we cannot base our own feelings and experience off of false comparisons, you just can't do it. And that's part of social media as well, right? When you're feeling like really good about your free ranging and then all of a sudden you go online and someone else is sending their kid to, you know, STEM camp or whatever, and they're coding away, like they just created their own thing. And you're like, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden it brings up all these insecurities in you and doubt. And so the guilt that's associated with what you're talking about, what I say to women is you absolutely have to let it go. There are, there are many women that are more unfortunate than you and more fortunate than you. I mean, they're, they're just are, and everybody has to be real about their own situation. And, you know, some of us have healthy kids, um, but you know, an unhealthy marriage and some of us have healthy marriages and unhealthy. I mean, there's just so there's too many factors. So that's the first thing is that that's a woman's trait. That is not a male trait. 
men do not generally say these things or feel these things or even privately think any of these things, right? They are just who they are. They don't have podcasts where they basically do their therapy live and accessible on iTunes. (laughs) Exactly. They have no need for it. That's just not the way they operate. But it's the way women operate. We've been operating out of guilt, you know, I'm sure for centuries, really. It's it's sort of like wired in us as soon as we become moms. But, you know, I really want to go back to what I said when I'm I'm really serious that I'm a mom's first. And I have had, you know, I've been a quote unquote sort of parenting expert, child development expert for, you know, almost 20 years. And, um, one of the things that I learned, how long ago was it? I don't know, like probably 15 years ago, as I was getting this training and I used to train like, um, adoptive and foster care parents. And when I was getting trained for that, I remember it was probably the first time, this isn't something you learn in school, but it was the first time an attachment specialist had said, um, you know, you come first, parents first, kids second. It was the first time someone had ever blatantly said that to me. And, you know, but I was like, as a professional, if I sat there and just thought about it, like, how can that be? And that seems counterintuitive. But now after all of these years in practice, it makes perfect sense. Like that, I want every woman listening to have that visual of seeing that oxygen mask fall down and she puts it on her face first, child second. Because what happens if you don't do that? You and child go down. Right. Yeah. It's like you you can't help someone out of the pit if you're in the pit with them. You have exactly how much can we teach our kids positive coping skills if we don't have positive coping skills? If we are drinking too much wine at night, avoiding our friends, not working out, you know what I mean? Burning the candle at both ends. Like if we're doing all of those things, when all those things I said are pretty common ways that women deal with stress, if you're doing that, then how can you then turn around and say to your kid, like, hey, you should like really go take a meditation class or, we should work out together. You know I mean? It's just, you can't, you can't, you can only for so long say one thing, but do another. And, um, you know, I'm, I am totally pro mom. Like I don't shame moms at all. So when I meet with moms, we just kind of go through the inventory. Like, let's get real. Like, what do you do to deal with stress? I don't care if it's functional, dysfunctional, healthy or unhealthy. Just tell me, what do you do? And so we kind of start from there so that, so anyone listening can sort of have an honest conversation with themselves that way. Um, and then, you know, start thinking about just one simple thing you can do. I always say, like when people say to me, I don't know where I'm going to find the time. I'm going to say, well, the research shows me that you spend at least a minimum of 19 hours a week online between social media and surfing the web. So if we just take one hour out of that per day away, which is honestly probably going to come from the mindless scrolling that we do on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest. Um, if you just take one hour of that away, there's your hour. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's rewiring the way that we're functioning. And I really view people and social media and technology. I think it's just become our new stress reliever and we don't even realize it. That's just my personal thought, but just because the way I see kids so addicted and I see the way parents are, I mean, have you ever really pay, pay attention the next time you're at an airport or you're at the grocery store, like at Target? You know, when we have a second, and I mean a second, like you're standing online and someone before you's got this big cart full of stuff and you know it's going to be, you know, a couple of minutes till you get to start unloading, people just take instantly, they take their phones out. We cannot tolerate anymore, you know, a second or a minute of downtime, of looking around, maybe chit-chatting with the person behind you in line. Like that's gone away now. Well, I'll give you an example. So my sweet in-laws like just flew like across, um, you know, transcontinental flight and like they were flat, you know, and I was like, oh, like you're enjoy your flight. You're going to have the best time, you know, because they I think they fly business class or something because it's long and they like to, you know, kind of relax and spread out. And I was like, well, enjoy your flight. Like you can meet the best people. I, you know, love taking those flights. And basically, you know, the response was it's just not like that anymore. You know, people like plug into their shows, they turn on their devices and they zone out. But I remember like planes used to be social. Yep. You know, like we would party, we would meet people, like go around, everyone knew each other by the end of the plane ride. Well, you know, right. Like- Life used to be more social. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how our calls start off, right? Our, our moms used to be like super friendly with the other moms in the neighborhood and they were happy houring it a lot. And, you know, you fly in and out of people's homes and yes, that like, we're truly losing that. I feel like sometimes I've been traveling a lot lately and I, when I look at an airport, I feel nothing but sadness. I'm like, mm-hmm. no one looks up from their phone. Yeah, and I'm not terrible. talking about kids. 
and quiet too. Like you realize there's hundreds of people around, but it's like probably 40 decibels or whatever, like quieter than it really should be for all the people Mm -hmm. that are in there. Yeah, exactly. You're either looking at your phone or you've got your headphones on. You're probably doing both, you know, and you're, it's sort of like, we're just tuning out the world around us. And while on some levels that might seem like, well, it's not that harmless. It really is. We need, we are social beings. Whether you're an introvert, because this doesn't mean, hey, every mom's got to become an extrovert. Not at all. I, I personally am truly an ambivert. So I have as much of a need to be social as I do to be alone. Um, and I, know I really know. Th- I might be an ambivert. You've just given me a new diagnosis. Thank oh, you. Oh, yes, exactly. Look up ambivert. It's like, you know, and I really am. I am like a great definition of that because I can get, I can get energized from, from like a room full of women or hanging out with other people. I love it. But equally, like Mother's Day, what did I want? I wanted time alone. And not because I was like so incredibly burned out because I know now I'm not apologetic anymore for what my needs are. I don't care that it's Mother's Day and I'm like, quote, supposed to be doing anything special with my kids. Part of making Mother's Day special for me is like, give me a couple hours to do whatever I want. And I remember my husband was leaving this Mother's Day and he's like, so what are you going to do? And I like almost bit his head off. I looked at him and I'm like, you should know not to ask me. Don't ask me. I don't know what I'm going to do. I was like, I might take a nap. I might go work out. I might go. I don't ask me. I didn't want to be accountable at all. I didn't want them to come home and say, Hey, how was that workout? Or did you take a nap? Like I didn't want, you know what I mean? So I, yeah, yeah, I'm just equally. So I think you have to know yourself and in the piece about not being apologetic as a mom, just that quality alone will get us so, so far, but we've got to pair that with being social. I think somehow or the other, we talked about that. Agreed. Well, Dr. Ziegler, we have learned so much today. We consider you a friend, a friend to all. I think you've helped hopefully a lot of people who are listening to today's show. Um, We can definitely, where can we find you? Social media. I know your book is Mommy Burnout, which is available all over the country, anywhere. Get it on Amazon and your Instagram. If anyone was so interested in following you. Yeah, I've got it. I've got an Instagram. Everything's got the same handle. Dr. Cheryl Ziegler. I don't do that much on my Instagram, but I do have a Facebook and, um, I have some good Pinterest boards. I have like a mommy burnout, um, you know, board with all different things. That's all pretty women focused, everything from cute outfits to, you know, how to help your kid with homework. Um, but yeah, and you can find me on drcherylziegler.com. Okay. So just when we want to leave our listeners, since we did talk about so many things, can you just leave us with a couple of just real quick bullet points just to keep in mind when you do start to feel this way? Um, Like it's just, I'm done. I'm burned out. Um, I love sound burned out, Kirsten. What's your deal today? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here debating whether or not like I should go and try to go find the wig and bring it back to preschool. I don't know. I don't know. Don't don't you know the answer is no. The answer is no. No, it's fine. Like I forgot cowboy day, PJ day, bring your lovey to school day. I could give two hoots. Yeah. Like I forgot. Okay. I forgot teddy bear day this, this year too. Yeah. Oh, I was like, oh buddy, you'll find one. There's a bin, but, right? Like that. But one it's I- putting ourselves first. It's, it's being social, finding connections that are real and true. Yes. Real and true. Not regular. letting the a regular. And you know, when you talked back about how the religious aspect of it, I mean, I, if I hadn't had like, I think I was at like a church group that was a, that was a young mom group, but you're right. It was, it was, it was through our church, you know, and that's where we found it. But yeah. The, it, and also it was like every Wednesday, you know, you go to this parenting class every Tuesday was this, you know? So I think like, you're right about that social, which I feel like there is a lot of that for the young moms of babies, but the older you get that, you know, that's, you don't have a play group anymore, you know? So yeah, kind there of was finding ways was to la- keep that. Yes. Last year, I think it was last year. It could have been the year before, but I think it was the New York Times. Anyway, some pretty big publication ran this article about middle school moms. It could have been maybe even NPR and how middle school moms are like, you know, they grieve because in elementary school, you still feel connected with Mm -hmm. your kids, you know, friends and their families. And it's still very protected and all those kinds of things. And then all of a sudden, they go to middle school and you're like, oh, I don't even know that kid. And they well, don't. And also, that's part. like when you're dealing with Hellcats, like middle school kids are like totally whack. <laughs> that's, <laughs> exactly. That's the most awkward time of life. <laughs> no, right. Exactly. So it's not just an awkward time for the kids, but also for the moms. 
you know, you are relinquishing a lot of control and connection though. So that's, you know, just something else to think about. This isn't like definitely mommy burnout is not just a young kids, you know, moms with young kids kind of issue or even a book for that. Cause I have stories of kids that are ready to go off into college. The level of, you know, chronic stress, it changes and it evolves depending on the age of your kids, but it really is kind of woven throughout the fabric of our motherhood. Oh my. Okay. And yeah, oh, sorry. I mean, just one, just one more thing. I know we've been talking to you way too long. We gotta let you go. Hijacking her for your own personal needs. (laughs) This is 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 my free therapy. Is is Graham? I'm putting myself first, and I'm making a genuine connection. Would you please be quiet? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, No, I. Okay, so I always talk about when my two boys went to camp, and I just had my 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 youngest home. How that was like the most stressful two weeks ever because. Exactly. Like I had to be all things to this person and I am more used to like just play amongst yourself, but just having one. Um, yeah, I think that's a good example. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But no one's going to know, camp this year. That. That's what I learned. I'm like, you guys have to stay yeah, home no, and amuse your exactly. sister so they don't get to go to camp. <laughs> <laughs> they just need to go outside. And you need to lock the door and just focus on yourself for like yeah. 10 hours a day. Yeah. I'll make a Double sign. Box of rusty nails. Camp. Okay. On that note, I do think we probably need to let Dr. Ziegler get back to her wonderful work. Um, and I've got an old mattress that I've been waiting for Bulk Trash to pick up next week, but now I know what's gonna what we're gonna be doing for the afternoon. So load it down the murky river. That's what you do. <laughs> exactly. Teach your kids what real forts are. Like <laughs> and real adversity. <laughs> real adversity. Ironically, we live right down the street from a canal as well, so Oh my gosh! That watch really watch funny. the news for a story out of Phoenix about a mattress and a canal and two boys who've been out of school for one day. <laughs> On that note, thank you and welcome home. <laughs> <laughs>